It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, a couple days after the Georgia game, uh, 2019 loss for the Irish. I think that it was a game that, even though we all picked Notre Dame to win, we weren't really surprised that they didn't based on how the, the game played out. So it, it's we can belabor the details over here in a minute, but just <laughs> why don't we spin it forward first? What did you take out of Saturday that you think is applicable for the rest of the season? What do you think was is maybe more of a one-off type of situation? I think the pro- <clears throat> excuse me the progress of the the defense is legitimate. Now they haven't obviously haven't faced very good offensive fronts. Um, in our, in our first rate series during the summer, we had Georgia eighth and Temple tenth, so they haven't faced a very you know very good offensive front. But I think there's a lot to build on. I mean, you see players getting better. They're they're using a lot of players. Jay Hayes is. When I look at them play, I see players that I've never seen before because they're so much stronger and in better condition. And Jay Hayes makes an ex- explosive play uh, moving down the line on a running back 58 minutes into the game. So that tells you a lot. I think Jerry Tillery's way better. Uh, they're just doing some good things up front on defense. They haven't faced the best offensive lines that they're going to. Uh, but I think that's a lot of progress, first and foremost. I'll let you throw in your detail here. I think it's a lot. I, like, I take a lot of it as a one-off, honestly, because I don't think – I think the defense – obviously the defense is much improved, and I'm not talking about from the bad part of last year. Um, and I think they'll keep getting better, but I don't think Georgia has a great offense. I think Fromm managed the game well and won the game, but I don't think he threatens you that much. I think they dropped a bomb touchdown. They did. Um, that would have made it 24-16, right, right. by the way. Uh I think Notre Dame's defense played a very good game under the circumstances, though. In terms of one-off the other way, look, they're obviously, the offensive line isn't what we thought it was because they wouldn't have gotten manhandled and stuffed into a locker. But they won't see that front seven again either. So a little bit of a one-off for me in that situation. And I don't think Brandon Wimbush, as a result, will look as bad as he did in that game either. I Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, th- I think the offensive line... This won't be indicative of the rest of the season, really can't but they're not going to face another team like Georgia again. And ultimately, this is what I wrote in my column. It's like that's how you're judged. That's the game. It, you know, I really, I don't care if you're going to blow Temple off the ball or ragdoll Miami of Ohio, like because that has nothing to do with trying to be a college football playoff team. Because either you got to beat a team like Georgia to make it, or you got to beat a team like Georgia in it. And right now, Notre Dame isn't equipped, uh, to my surprise, to handle a team that physical and that fast on defense. This, you're probably both going to disagree with this. I'm not making an a excuse. single excuse I just wanna... about what happened. I'm just saying that Georgia is a different animal uh, defensively than you'll see all year. And I don't think Notre Dame's defense has arrived because they stopped a true freshman quarterback. That had, and Georgia had 257 penalties in the game either. So I think that we need to see a little more. But I agree with you. The defense is. I just think when. This is why I think you're going to disagree with this, but whatever, I'll throw it out there. <laughs> let, let, I mean, let's say, let you know, let's say Georgia's greatest strength is their D line. Notre Dame's greatest strength is their offensive line. I think the edge in that situation always goes to the defense because the offense has to create inroads to get through. And so, if it's strength versus strength, there's a natural slight advantage for the defense because they're the ones because the offense is the one that has to create the inroads. Having said that. It's not a legitimate excuse for getting your butt handed to you because there was there was no push there. And then you have the fastest core linebackers that we've seen since the Miami Hurricanes oh heyday. Yeah. 
and they're hitting every run fit. So the offensive line's having a hard enough time dealing with the D-line, let alone these linebackers that are fast and strong and, and, and making perfect run fits. I agree, cause, and from the sense that we gave the off, or not we, but like the collective analysis of this game was too much criticism of the offensive line than was warranted. Not enough for Josh Adams not being able to pick up blitzers, Brandon Wimbush not understanding where pressures were coming from. And I think that's like, if you want to look at the, the offensive performance about what might be indicative about the rest of the season, it's Brandon Wimbush may, not having a grasp of what's happening in front of him to the level that he needs. This is what happens when you're making your second start. Yeah, third that, start, that, I mean, four I think start, that's the all point. those I kinds don't... of things. But like, you have to be able to see a unblocked Lorenzo Carter off the edge coming in your face, not okay. not not, yeah. not your backside in your face, and he didn't even see that sometimes. So that's that's something that really needs to get cleaned up because you know you're not going to run into a lot of Lorenzo Carters, thankfully, but unblocked guys coming at your face, you just have to be able to to understand that's coming before the snap. And Rokon Smith. Also Natra, you know, Natra's Patrick. I mean, guys coming off the bench, DeAndre Walker, Reggie Carter. There were two Carters out there. I mean, every time I looked, it's like it's another linebacker. They were great. They were great. And it's not an excuse for Notre Dame because you gotta you're at home, under the lights, big game. They can't win big games. It's an opportunity and another opportunity that, that slipped by. And it wasn't 125 yards rushing and 3.8 yards of carry, and man, they just can't do it. It was just absolutely destroyed. One point, I mean, 1.5 yards of carry, the longest rush of eight yards. You couldn't have convinced anyone in the world that Notre Dame's longest run would be eight yards that have 55 yards rushing, and that it wasn't because they abandoned the run. They tried to run. They ran 37 even, times. Even, even Brandon Wimbush's 25-yard, one-yard touchdown run. Hard. Had, yeah. you know, <laughs> he had to run yeah. 25 yards to get a yard. To get yeah. to the edge. And it just barely got there. Just barely got when there. The Slight hesitation, J.R. Reed hesitated. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, just barely got, got there when the guy took a full step. Yeah. I mean, that's how fast Georgia yeah. was. They're great. They're just pretty, pretty fast. Really good. I don't think we gave enough credit pregame to uh, Kirby Smart's defensive acumen as well. I agree with he that. he used a very similar to... To kind of ruin Brandon Wimbush's ability to operate outside the pocket as a passer, he did the same thing in the BCS championship game. I don't know if people remember it because it didn't matter at that point, but every time Golson escaped, there was an unblocked second-level linebacker, not sprinting at him, but sprinting outside to his right arm so he couldn't go farther right. And he just, they kept doing it to Wimbush, too. I remember watching it during the BCS game, and it was over by the time I noticed this. It was like 21 nothing or something. I thought, man... They have absolutely everything, every answer for Notre Dame right now. And that's what Smart had for Notre Dame's offense. That's what I, I mean, I guess I, I'm not educated enough to know why you don't use more RPOs because they're aggressive with their corners and their safeties pressing the line of scrimmage too. So I would think that that would be a way to offset that a little bit. But you're right. I mean, Kirby Smart, you, we didn't give him enough credit for being a great defensive coach. We assume that it's all the Alabama talent but he's a great defensive coach. I don't know if he's going could, to could be all the Georgia talent. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I mean, when he was at Alabama, oh, yeah. but yeah, he's got a bunch of he's, he has a bunch of talent at Georgia, and I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach, but right now he's at least a great defensive coach, which helps you become a much better head coach. If he ever coaches Army, then we'll, we'll find yeah. out for real. They can do it. <laughs> the the RPO aspect I think is interesting because there were a couple snaps, and I, I want to get more into this this week, like. I think it was Fink and Boinkin were to Wimbush's left, and it was kind of a read option play. I believe he just handed off to Adams for one yard or two yards. But on on the bottom of the, the play, Boinkin is sort of coming outside. There's only one defender over there for two players, and Wimbush doesn't even look over there. So I don't I don't know if Wimbush is not like in tune with that kind of stuff yet. It it just seems like that there are some RPO formations that are being ignored like they're just ROs um I, I, I overall I thought the offensive game plan Kirby Smart had every answer for it but I also thought Notre Dame sort of ran itself into a buzzsaw in some places too like don't run horizontally with Josh Adams don't throw into a flat with Tony Jones you're just not fast enough to to have success you Tim you made a point about after the game in our instant analysis about being surprised that they put so much on Wimbush's plate. And I think a lot of that was just out of necessity and he had to run for his life a lot of times. And maybe I'm not putting enough blame on Wimbush because I expected 
the offensive line to play better. You expect the receivers to, to step up, but instead there were four drop passes. I don't think Wimbush got any help in any no, way. Especially on the last play. Which is why I'm kind of exonerating him. But, I, you know, I think your point's well taken. I, I just think that he's got to experience a lot of those things before he can be pretty good at it. Can you imagine dropping back on that last drive and getting hit 1.5 seconds later from the one place you figure, all right, I have a second to at least... Take a well, look Mc, and see doesn't, when McGlinchey doesn't even move his feet, yeah. it's a mental error. He, his head's not right before that play, right? I yeah, mean, but it's I mean, an obvious pass situation. Too, I know, right? but it he didn't a, move yeah. his feet. He didn't even he didn't even react to it. To, so to me, his net, his head's not right before the snap. And speaking of passing situations, it's interesting that August camps the whole camp long battle of wide receivers has kind of come back to bite them a little bit. And you, the question was asked on Wednesday: Are you going to start finding? Right. Some so a little bit of you're gonna come in sync with some of these guys because you're rotating eleven guys through the entire camp. I don't understand the the personnel packaging going on with the wide receivers. You know right what they now. say: if you have eleven receivers, you actually only have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in Notre Dame's case, that's true, and that one didn't play very well either. No, yeah, it's uh, they just they have a lot of guys a receiver, but they're playing the they just some guys. They're, they're playing some strange guys, guys, don't you think? Like, yeah, I mean. What, Chris Fink is probably the third or fourth best yeah. guy right now. Maybe he's the second best guy. And, I don't and, really know. And Elise Max not playing well. We know he's capable of more, but he's he he he's not playing well. That's a you know, if if you really wanted to hold Kelly's feet to the fire on the subject of Dexter Williams and Chase Claypool, Elise Mack would be an interesting way to do it because if we're talking about focus and traits and grit. And that's why Claypool and Stefferson and Williams. Dexter are, are not playing. Then, you know, I think Alizé Mack, based on the last two games, would would kind of get dinged in some of those areas at this point because I think he's had what three or four drops. He's had as many drops as catches. Um, you know, doesn't really block all that well. I I think he's a guy that we all expected to be a dynamic part of the offense. Probably Brian Kelly did too, and it. That has not happened to date. I thought the only thing holding him back would be total opportunity, and that's not. That's <laughs> definitely not what's holding him yeah, back. Yeah, he's getting a lot of snaps. You know, it's, I, I'm. You know, just go to Nick Wisher at this point. I mean, after he had a, a very productive game one, um, I, I'm not. Really I mean, sure. he, I, don't I don't know, know how much did he even play, Wisher. I, I, I don't I'm know. You might, you might, yeah, yet. you might find out with that. Well, with regard to Dexter Williams. You know, Brian. <laughs> I mean, Brian Kelly said after the game that it was just a coach's decision. To, decision, and then he doubled down Sunday um, when he said, "You know, Josh Adams is a good back, and it's hard to get touches." And yet, Georgia with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb still was able to get nine touches for others not named Michelle and Chubb, including DeAndre Swift, a freshman who is as swift as his name, and had a forty-yarder. Um, it you know, happens they, weekly in college Hardman, and pro football. Right, your other running back gets the ball. Right, and Hardman and Hardman, their receiver, who's also very fast, he got a couple touches. Their fullback got touches, and, and they were effective. The uh, Harian got touches, and we're not really sure why, but <laughs> you know they had nine other touches with guys besides Chubb and Michelle. And so I, I, I Kelly doubled down on Sunday, and I mean he knows his personnel better than we do. But in a game where it's very difficult to run against a very fast defense. On the surface, and even below the surface, I think it's hard to understand why he doesn't get a touch. He gets what well, he gets. He gets a special teams tackle and zero touches. He's not football. being disciplined because he starts on three special teams. Right? He was this a he was a good teammate on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. I, you know, he made an amazing special teams play. Um, I mean, of in terms of having an impact on the game, Dexter Williams actually had one. Um, it just wasn't on offense, and I. If, if Notre Dame's game plan was to slam Josh Adams up the middle, I can understand not asking Dexter Williams to do that. But that wasn't Notre Dame's game plan. It was a lot of horizontal runs, which I don't understand why you'd ask Josh Adams to do that, because Dexter Williams is better. And the notion that Dexter Williams isn't as good of a blocker as Josh Adams has nothing to do He's with getting him the ball. He, and mean, he is a junior, that's yeah. That's like... Well, it's nothing. So if, Dexter, so if Dexter Williams comes in the game and goes in the backfield... You know, George is not going to be... There's no tape on him not being a good pass protector. It's all in August camp, well, supposedly. Well, but if he comes in a game, you, you hand it to him. And that it's not... 
Well, that's my you point. It's prevent, not like it's a giveaway. It's not like a dead giveaway. Well, he must the be handoff to... We know this guy's a bad pass protector because we remember watching film of your August camp practices in 2015. It's not... Look, and I want to bring this up because it was one year ago, so things could change. The number one thing Autry Denson said about Dexter Williams is how seriously he takes his pass protection. <laughs> it's a year ago. Things have happened since. But I don't understand. I mean, that just a, the whole thing... You can't. You it's can't, zero carries. You it's can't not, justify nineteen carries by Adams and zero by Williams. You can justify sixteen carries by Adams and three by Williams, but you can't justify nineteen and zero. You can't justify zero when you have zero spark whatsoever. You lauded him for being a great teammate and for giving you a spark the previous week. They hadn't scored big, for twenty four minutes, and Dexter Williams came in and they scored. <laughs> That's what happened last week. That's literally what happened last week. But again, we don't we don't coach them. We're not at practice every day. We don't know more than Brian Kelly. We're we're admitting that. But this is so extreme. That's big if true. Yeah, yeah. Quite an admission on my part. But it's so extreme in the other direction that it's it strange. just doesn't really make complete sense. You know, I, yeah. It goes I, back to tell the, an admission no, on my part. It goes back to my frustration sometimes when you're watching. And I'll just bring in a coach that does a great job, Mike Bray. When you're watching someone on the bench. That can't get in no matter what. And you think, can you really not play one minute? We're not taking out Scotty Pippen to get that guy in the game, right? You weren't yeah. taking out. You're not like looking at the offense thinking, man, I really don't want to risk putting Dexter Williams in because this machine is just kind of rolling along right now. It was, you yeah, needed okay. something. It would, you're saying when Will Fuller was killing it, you never took him out for, for St. Brown. Right, even though St. Brown was really good. That's okay. That is okay. You actually are taking Scottie Pippen out of the game yeah. in, in that scenario. That's Josh Adams is not the equivalent of Will Fuller at running back. Or Scottie Pippen. Or Scottie Pippen. It's just not even close. And I was thinking of Bonzi Colson, the freshman. So we got everybody in this conversation yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, it's a it's a it was a strange situation that I think look, that's just gonna be a narrative the rest of the season is how do you break up these touches because uh, August 29th, he said all three of his backs could play in the NFL, and no, I mean that the way you play them would suggest that's not even close to the case. Well, Williams is a junior. I get Tony Jones Jr. not getting a whole bunch what of touches. What is going but... on? I mean, I couldn't have what what he With what <laughs> for four straight weeks and all of spring. Four straight weeks of August and all of spring. No one once tackled him one on one. Tony Jones Jr. Am I exaggerating that Tony Jones Jr. was the star of yeah, four of these I just don't, seven practices? I don't, know the touches, I don't know that the touches he's had so he's far. He's had some weird situations. Have been but, in, in, in free air. I think he's been in traffic yeah. quite a bit. That's <clears throat> a that's a strange situation as well. But I but would, boy, is I would, he, I would like Dexter Williams to get those touches yeah. before Tony Jones. But gets damn, touches. is Tony Jones Jr. good on coverage, on kick coverage, and so is Julian Love. They are so outstanding. Dexter. So and, Dexter and Dexter had a great play. Those two in particular, are outstanding on, on uh, coverage units. All right. Well, now that we've veered into special teams, that's a good time to end segment one. Uh, we will be back with questions from our readers next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. Questions from our readers. First, a couple from Twitter, and the first one comes up from Austin Carpenter. He wants to know, with all the depth at tight end, why do you think we haven't seen that involved in the offense more than we have? Last well, week they tried it. I mean, last week they was fine. Um, Nick Witcher scored a touchdown. Durham Smythe had two passes down the seam. Alizé Mack had at least four to five thrown to him. The majority of snaps yeah. against Temple were two, three, or four tight ends. I think we didn't see it yesterday because the offensive line got absolutely murdered and we couldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, and Alizé Mack's dropping passes, yeah. and I think it's difficult for the tight ends to get open against a, a team with that kind of speed. I think you have to attach Smythe more than you did the week before because yes. the offensive line needs help. I think there's a couple things. I mean, if you base it upon the Georgia game, I think there's two or three things involved that make it more difficult right. for your tight Let's ends. give them BC and Michigan State, two games on the road where you need your tight end. You know, you're you're going to need check downs to the tight end. You're going to need some some third down passes to the tight end in red zone and 
go from there. Because I expect them to be involved again. I really think everything stems from the offensive line not being able to do anything. We, yeah. we were talking about it off the air. It, hurt, it affects Brandon Wimbush. It probably affected him on plays where it didn't need to affect him. It affects your play calling. It affects you put you can put out there. As you said, you need to keep a tight end in because everybody's getting killed up front. And and Smythe, you have less time to Smythe get open. Smythe was a that was a tough matchup for Smythe as a as an inline blocker. Yeah, as Pete pointed out, it was second and nine on every play. That, yeah, that was the that, average. It's just right, weird stuff. It just it, when your offensive line doesn't get the job done, it affects every aspect. And, and, and I don't. I mean, this is just having gone through the game and I can't watch the offensive line every second of every play that, that is snapped. But I thought Mustafer held the point of attack the best uh, of the group. I saw Quentin Nelson get pushed back more than I've ever seen, which makes sense, although I thought he was pretty good against Thompson. McGlinchey had his issues. Bars had his issues. I thought the two young guys battled. Yeah, they were, it and wasn't I, like you know, was and an I issue. still think I still think Hainsey has the most long-term uh, ability at that position and Kramer... Kramer will probably will be a guard next year when Nelson's gone. Yeah, it's with the multiple tight end stuff. I'm surprised they didn't keep two tight ends in the block more often. I mean, it just seemed like okay if we can't if we can't identify which of these two outside linebackers are coming, let's have both tight ends ship them. Um, but it just seemed like that never happened, and then you you would just have one of the two racing around the edge and getting into Brandon Wimbush's face. You know. This was mentioned in the preseason. Ten of Notre Dame's 12 opponents finished in the top 40 in total defense last year, and I think that was something we talked about in the preseason. Yeah, the offense is the strength, but keep in mind that they're going up against some teams that were really good defensively last year, and it probably will have some carryover this year. Well, it carries over against Georgia because Georgia brought them all back. It, it does. Not and every it, team is bringing right. all these guys And so back. now, you yeah. th- now you know, uh, an inexperienced quarterback is on the field, not Deshaun Kaiser. Um, you know, so I think it makes a difference. Not trying to make excuses for anybody, but that's the I reality. I was thinking about that. Yeah. That's why we do the – that's why I do – I talk about it too much, I know. But that's why I do the first-rate series during the summer because you have to understand the personnel that Notre Dame will be facing come September. No, I, I agree with you. Um Deshaun Kaiser was on the field for seven fourth quarter comeback attempts last year. Got one of them. You know, it, right with it, with a I with, can't put it all on. with an oh. inexperienced receiving core compared to 2015. I think you just have to oh compared to 2015. Right, okay. you have yeah. to. You, I mean, to there, it's it's never, especially in football, it's absolutely never one thing. I was looking. I was kind of thinking to myself on the drive here. I sound like a uh, phone caller on Sundays with Brian Kelly's comments. <laughs> I was eating some cereal and thinking about the game the other day. I was wondering what it would look like with Kaiser out there. I mean, they lost by one point. And the quarterback didn't come through at the end because he got blindsided. It's yeah. They kept turning it over on downs last year. They're trying to win games, so I don't know. And Kaiser didn't handle the. He was worse in the fourth. Kaiser quarter Kaiser got last caught year. up in the in yes. the the bad season last year too. He was fifty percent passer in the fourth. And quarter. And he was 50%. twenty pounds overweight. And it's not his fault they lost yesterday, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> that was an interesting answer to a, a question about tight ends. However, he had a he had what he I'm did not reading. Tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> he had what I'm reading was a pretty good debut in the NFL yesterday. All right, uh, Doc Carroll won. You don't care about Kaiser no. anymore? No, <laughs> not as the answer to a question about multiple tight ends. That's it. Doc Carroll one wants to know, my impression of Brandon Wimbush was that his accuracy was not a concern based off practice reports. Why do you think that's not translating to games? Because a game against Georgia is 20 times more difficult than a practice, for one thing, and a game against a normal defense is 8 or 10 times more difficult than a practice. The receiving core didn't step up to help. The offensive line, I've never seen an accurate quarterback with a guy in his face. Tom Brady is not accurate with a guy in his face. Um, you know, and Wimbush could have done a better job in all aspects. I just, you know, it's we. No matter what quarterback at what school, if you if you're only making your second start, you're not going to look as good. Jake Fromm was making his first start, but he wasn't under as much pressure as Brandon Wimbush was. Yeah, but it, I don't think he didn't look good. No, he yeah, did no, I mean, he was yeah. he, he was managed the game and he won, but he, if he managed the game and lost because Notre Dame. Scored one more time, we wouldn't be talking about what a great job. But he would have managed the game exactly the same. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. He happened to win. Uh, You know, I think Wimbush is. I don't think he's ever going to be a super accurate passer, just because he doesn't have the same throwing motion all the time. Like he varies it up, and I think that is good in some instances. But 
in terms of a guy who's always locked in and always on point, I, I just don't think that's his makeup. Like some, I think something would have to change with his throwing it was motion. The, it was the second pregame in a row that I thought he kept throwing behind receivers. <clears throat> oh yeah, you have noted that a couple yeah. times. Yeah, it's like the now the, I'm gonna now I'm definitely going to watch yeah. every game. Like the, pre-game. the throw to St. Brown to start the game, you have that has to, to be a touchdown. It has to be a touchdown yeah. or as a completion. Um, there's it needed to be a better throw. He has thrown one of the things I saw in camp that I liked was I felt like he almost never threw the ooh that was almost intercepted, and he has thrown a ton of those yeah. in two games. That to me is I think a little bit of a concern, and that that was not something I felt like. Well, I saw so what does that tell? That tells you he's got it in him. Because you've seen it in practice, yeah. but it's just not translating to a game yet, which is which is normal. Well, he'll have two normal, sound, quality defense to go up against next, so you can still judge him. I'm a, they're not playing a bad defense coming up. They're going to be playing. BC always comes to play fine defensively. They'll be they'll do some good things. They have a defensive line that can get to him with Landry. Michigan State hasn't given the Michigan State hasn't played anyone, but they haven't given up an offensive touchdown yet. They're not terrible on defense. It'll be. No, but that's it. But It'll Michigan be, State is a game where Nordheim's offensive line definitely should have yes, an advantage. Well, then Brandon Wimbush should be able to complete yeah. the, the standard passes then in that as well. Yeah, and really yeah. against Boston College. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, Washington D. So after the offseason in which Brian Kelly built up a little bit of goodwill with the fan base, did he completely erase all of it in the second game of the season? Also, didn't Chip Long's slow developing plays look remarkably like plays that Brian Kelly tends to call? Answer the second part I gotta, first. I got to answer the second part first because I just said I saw this also on our message board and it looked exactly like Brian Kelly was calling the game. Now I don't think he was, but Tim made a good point. When your offensive line can't do a thing, all play calls look bad. It's not like I brought this up. It's not like Charlie Weiss in 2007 with the worst line anyone's ever seen was like, "I am going to change everything I do offensively and see what happens." He was calling the same stuff that worked in 05, and whoa, whoa, none wait, of it worked. Wait, in 07. wait. You were at the Georgia Tech game. They did change. <laughs> well, that was, that, was one, that was one thing. Okay. But the rest of the way. That was desperation. I, yeah. I, what you had at quarterback. It, it. The slow developing plays is driving me. The slow developing runs has driven me crazy ever since I started watching the read option. I, I can't stand. I can't stand the, the pause, 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 <laughs> let's hit a hole when there's a fast defense coming against you. I'm not saying you can never run it. It's just I thought they played into Georgia's hands what about with Kelly's everything they did horizontally. He did he, I he, I feel like he never had any. Like I think he would have had goodwill had he won this game. Yeah, I agree with Pete that here's the problem. The people that don't like Brian Kelly, the people that weren't going to like Brian Kelly until he won 12 games, the people that were on the fence because they want to give someone the benefit of the doubt that's had two good years, really don't like Brian Kelly right now after that game. That's the because of the way they looked offensively. Same old, same old. We can't match up against athletic defenses. The real problem is, even if you are just a rational fan, you can't really get back into thinking this is, I'm excited about what's happening until that USC game now. And that's so disappointing for a fan base to be 1-1, one one, nothing moves the needle until then. Well, in reality, if they go 3-0 and on the road, I'm going to be really impressed. I know those teams aren't great. But I will be impressed if he goes 3-0 and on the road because he's, I think, 4-11. and on the road the last 15. Yeah. And that's not an accident. I mean, and the wins they win, they won one on a last second pass from Deshaun Kaiser. The, one of the other ones, they beat 1-11 Purdue. They lose to bad teams and good teams on the road. If he goes 3-0 and as an analyst of things, I will be excited about the rebirth of this team. But I don't blame regular fans for winning to USC because if you're 5-1 and and USC makes you look bad, that's what you have again. Yeah. An eight-win team. I think that the Goodwill, he had a massive deficit last year. That had been reduced, but he never broke even into positive goodwill territory, and now it's he's way back in the negative again. After do last. you agree, you got to get to USC basically, and yeah, you get another chance at it. Here's the thing: if if you get to USC and you're five and one, and then you beat USC, then I think you're at even. Yeah, I still yeah. don't think you've like curried all this favor and goodwill because like we were texting about this last night. They're seventeen and seventeen in their last thirty-four games. They walked into Florida State and went for two seconds. We thought we were about to cover a playoff. Hmm. And Brian Kelly was I'm gonna get it right, so I'm mess it up. Forty-three and twelve. That accurate, what do you think? Wow. Yeah, forty-three and twelve. He was a lot of wins and now they're a lot seventeen of and seventeen since. And right. that includes a great year. 
So All right, very good. Forty-three and fifteen. Forty-three and fifteen. Seventeen and seventeen. All right. Six. So I I went on record after the game. Maybe I was Georgia or Florida State. drunk. No, after Georgia, <laughs> I wasn't drunk. Um, I hadn't even had a drink. I said they're going to be five and one when they play USC, and I understand that there's three road games there. Here's the difference: their defense is better and will continue to get better, and they're 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 way more physically prepared by the strength and conditioning program. And they're playing three teams that aren't very good. And all things being equal, you should beat those three teams. You disagree. I get that. Are they going to be 5-1? and one? I don't even... I cannot predict. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I, I get like, that. I, 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 just, I don't even want to offer an opinion. I just don't know. Uh, but I do think I, the offensive line should be able to beat up the next four teams that they play. Um, I think that's... Their their mo good or bad is to beat up those kinds of teams. Yeah, BC so they still should, got BC still got a pretty good defensive front. Be able to do. You should be able to. I get no. I get that. I get that. So I, I they, guess I wanted to kind of throw that out there just to see. Oh, it's not out of just the realm of possibility see, yeah. at all. I mean, it's. I mean, I think most people would agree with you, right? Would most fans agree with you? Would you think most Notre Dame fans would agree with you? Most Notre Dame fans that watch what, games they'll be five and one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. Not no, not in the current state of anger that no. maybe I'm be are right. in. I just right. think yeah. I think that's, that's the thing. If you ask Sunday, no one would say they're going to be five and one. That's if you ask Friday, everyone will say yeah, they're going to be five exactly. and one. Well, right? We every seven days, um, you wipe the slate yeah. clean and you have a completely different opinion. I feel like when it was Angelo DiCarlo said to me about uh, if not now when he liked it, except his yeah. was. How about they show me, and then I'll say they did can do it because yeah. he's right. If they do have to show it at some point here, three road wins in a row would be, uh, I mean, 2012. That would be time. that would be great. Dip 98. Knowing that USC, Stanford, Miami also have big, strong, fast front sevens, is it fair to assume that the most logical ceiling for this team is eight and four, with one slip up meaning a seven and five finish in the ouster of Kelly? Uh, I mean, if you put a period after eight and four, I would just yes. Um, but then you sort of lose me with the ouster of Kelly at seven to five because I don't. I mean, maybe. Um, we'll reiterate what we said what in we... August for people that have joined late with the season going on. <laughs> what, what you talked to Jack Swarbrick about—it's yeah. not a one-year fix. That's for not him. for him. They didn't make a one-year investment in this new staff, but for things to move on, they had to see improvements and no well, off-the-field issues. And no off-the-field issues. Off-the-field issues have been. Cut way down, uh, almost to nothing, and I think we've seen plenty of on-field improvements defensively. And special teams are massively improved from where they were last year. Offensively, they are. It's been a disappointment through through two games. Well, one game was a disappointment. One yeah. game was great. But I'm just saying, like yeah. collectively, yeah. the only you know, game that matters, yeah. the game that does matter more. That was it's. They came up short, so. Is the most logical thing that they're going to finish eight and four? Yeah, if the offense doesn't improve, um, yeah. that's that's what you're banking on. I mean, some you could, improvement. You could argue that if Rome, uh, if uh, Julian O'Quara doesn't commit the penalty, that they're more likely to have won that game, and they're two yeah. and zero, and they still have the same problems. Right? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you're still you're the same team, only you're two and zero. Which is better? Which is a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean it's that's the part of always playing close games. Is you never know what you're, you're going to end up at the end of the right. year. I, that's why Brian Kelly ends up eight and five and nine and four a lot is because he plays a lot of close games that could go either way. Yeah, and he's lost nine of the last ten. That's once why you end up games, four. Which is that's shocking. I mean, that's just that's horrible. That's just horrible. Because it's it, one of those stats that it has nothing to do with how good or bad you are, because you were in a one score game. Right. I mean, in the sense of like even when you went four and eight and you were bad. The fact that you were that close in those games and still losing them to Duke, Texas, Michigan State, Navy, um, it's 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 a bad look. I in you're you're they're so much physically better. You I mean watch the defensive line play. Those guys Jerry Tillery is he looks great. Way better yeah. than he was. Way better. Andrew Trombetti, Jay Hayes. Andrew Thanks. Trombetti yeah. is way better. Jay Hayes is way better. Bonner is much better than we credit him for. Yes. And and Nick Coleman, I, you know, if la, let's say last year's team played Georgia, well, Brian Kelly wouldn't have lost a one score game, right? 
Right. It would have been, they would have been physically, that defensive line would have been physically manhandled even by an average Georgia offensive line. Yeah, they would have run for 300 yards on last year's team. Yeah. I'm not, that's not even a mild exaggeration. They ran for over 200 on a good yeah. defense. Yeah. We destroyed them. But, yeah. Uh, but nobody wants to hear that because they're one on one. You know, though, uh, USC, Stanford, Miami, big, strong, fast is not the same thing as Georgia's front seven either. They're not going to get manhandled. Across the board by everybody no, like that. That's no, not the same those, situation. Those teams are big, strong, fast, but kind of younger. Like, Georgia was big, Definitely. strong, fast, and old. Well, Miami's... There was a very... Well, not angry, as old uh, as Georgia, though. We had no, a very no, no, none of them are old, as old as Georgia, but Miami's front and... They Miami's front yeah. seven is is good and talented. Hoffy 111. Is it time to end the Freddie Canteen experiment? Sure. I mean, it goes, goes back to that tight end question. Like, why weren't the tight ends more involved? Not because they did or didn't do anything, but, like, if you don't have multiple tight ends, and that means you're playing your slot receiver who is just neat. Like, even Fink at the end, when I, I know you have to throw it, that position overall has not really done yeah. much. I would go removing that position in order. An extra tight end instead. That's choice one. An extra running back. Instead, the two backs you can put in Dexter Williams or Tony Jones, whoever you want to do it. I would put in Chris Fink instead because he gets open. And I would put in a guy that supposedly doesn't have enough traits to figure things out, like Chase Claypool, instead of Freddie Canteen, who must be the most mature human being in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, what? To, to offset his inability. Are you to, kidding? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> I mean, I you know, I know you have a new new coordinator in Chip Long. I just, I just think Chris Fink gets open. He... Proved, he started to prove himself at the end of last year, in the last month, when he was effective. When Georgia knew they were throwing and they had to do that, he was effective the other night. He he had an opportunity on the big third down play, which yeah, I would have loved to was, see him make yeah, catch. Um, and I think most times he will. I'm so confused about Fink not playing as much last night on third down because they were in third and long all the time. Because I, I mentioned in August, you can't play him all day because if you want to be a physical team, he's not as good of a blocker. As your other, as your second light, tight end would be, as other big guys would but he, be, but they're in third and long all night yeah, long. He's That's difficult to him. defend, and Freddie Canteen isn't. I, I, I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, just I, I like if you want to summarize that as Chris Fink does everything that Freddie Canteen does, but better. That would be a fair assumption. Yeah, and and Canteen's maturity. I mean, he's Chris Fink is mature. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Too. Chris Fink is a mature. Human being and football player, right? You gotta have traits to win a scholarship as a walk-on. <laughs> he has the traits. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Vincent, should we slow down a bit with all the talk of how good this defense is? Georgia was starting a true freshman quarterback and an inexperienced line, and they almost ran for two hundred yards. I I think the almost two hundred yards is fine. I mean, Georgia. That's okay. Those two running backs are. They, yeah, they're going to make some plays. Look, everybody in Georgia complains about their offensive line, and they average 190 yards rushing last year because they have Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. I, you know, what I've seen from the defense, one to be a good defense, you have to make bad quarterbacks look bad. I think they've done a pretty good job of like making quarterbacks play below their level, um, which was my number one goal, yes. right? In the and preseason, it's very, it's very important because yeah. you play a lot of bad quarterbacks. And I'm yes. not being sarcastic at all. Yes, You're mostly they do. playing bad quarterbacks. Uh, I like some of the variety that Mike Elko's thrown out there. You know, when their 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 nickel package has been incredibly effective. Um, I think they've seen it's played 11 snaps with the Oquara, Trombetti, Hayes, Tillery line, and then Morgan and Tranquil and five DBs. They played 18 snaps and allowed two first downs. Wow. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. They came out in the four four a little bit. Maybe they even could have done that some more, but uh, it was a, a really nice changeup that was effective. I like that they don't blitz all over the place and expose themselves at the back end. Um, I like that the tackling improved from week one to week two. So I guess it's like if you're going to say, "Are we getting carried away about the defense?" It's it's a question of well, where are you getting carried to? Are you getting carried to this defense? This goes twenty twelve. No, I'm. I hope not. You shouldn't get that far. But are you getting carried away to the point of like, Mike Elko looks like a really good hire who is in fact doing a lot with okay talent. Then yeah, I I think I've seen enough in two every, weeks to say that. Every player is getting better. Yeah. I, I agree. Maybe not every, but almost all of the, the defensive players are getting better. I like the defense a lot. Everything both of you have said, but I want to flip it to the offensive line. Great. Remember you said, I fully expect them 
to handle BC and Michigan State and Miami and North Carolina because that's what they do, but you're judged on Georgia and teams like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this defense is going to be judged on. They did a great job against Georgia. Georgia, USC, Miami, Navy, and Stanford. Yeah, you're judged on So if you are you're, great you're, against everyone and you lose to four of those five, nobody cares. Right. You're That's, judged against, I mean, you're judged against everyone. If if you don't play well, you go eight and five or yeah. way worse. It might not even if they do, it might not be their fault. I'm just saying that we can't that that's my only point about not, I'm not totally jumping in on the defense, other than they yes, they are improved, the players are improved, you can tell by looking at them, they're going to be playing better offenses than they've played. Yeah, I mean I think you just look at it from the standpoint of the next four weeks. Their performances... They should be good. Should be not dissimilar from the first two weeks. Maybe not as good. And then if Sam Darnold comes in and throws for 275 and three touchdowns, like, that's a below-average performance for him. Well, like, that's still... take you. you just, all you can ask from a defense is take an offense and make it play worse than it yes. actually is. Yeah, yeah. And I think they will consistently do that, even if the numbers don't always look like... They don't face time. a... I, well, I agree with you, Pete. They don't. I mean, they they don't face a good offense the next four weeks. I guess the point of the question can be taken two ways: Is it good enough for this year, or is it actually good? Because Notre Dame's offensive line is going to look really good at times this year. But what would happen if you threw Notre Dame's offensive line in a playoff game? Yeah, and well, that's what people want, right? Right. You can look, the defense can look really good against North Carolina on the road. That's North Carolina. Yeah, yeah but I, and, I don't know. I, I feel like that's okay, and like that. It that is okay, that, but that, it's that was, not. I mean, in a sense of like that was one of the things I wrote in the column. Is like if. Brian Kelly has admitted to you in the summer that he doesn't think Notre Dame can recruit defensive front seven talent the way Georgia can or Alabama can. So if you can't recruit it, you got to block it. And I think Notre Dame showed that they can't block it. You're right showing now. them. You're judging them yeah. more harshly because yes. of. Okay, if, if Notre Dame is going to make it to the top of the mountain, the offensive line is going to have to carry them. The defense just has to be good enough, and I think. Already, we're seeing signs that Mike Elko is easily going to be able to put that's together why he a, was, a good enough. Defense. That's why that's he fair. was such a great hire the because of what that. he did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they could have won the game. The yeah. defense could have won the game yesterday. Easily. Yeah, easily. And you, okay, he was coaching up two and three star guys at Wake Forest. You know, he's I, I, up I just a couple of three yeah, star safeties he's, already. he's making individuals better players. Yeah. You can see it. I mean, if you if you you can see it. I, I always I don't disagree. With I that. don't always. And Pete made a good point. I just I mean, yeah. As long as you're not jumping ahead saying, right? This defense is. But they have a chance to have a lot of defense. success against Boston College's Show offense, um, Michigan State's offense, Miami Ohio's offense, North Carolina. I saw some some playmakers there. Maybe that by then they they may be better, but their quarterback situation right. is is well. I don't think Brandon Harris is going to be the quarterback. I don't know exactly how they're game ended up in the second and half. And the good thing is if you're right and they're 5-1 and one going to USC, the defense will be playing well. And they, they can't be 5-1 and one without the defense playing well because you're on the road. You have that's to, you why have to play That's well. the only reason why I say would make a prediction right. like that because I think the individuals on defense will continue to get better and the defense as a whole will continue to get better. Yeah. And look, by the time USC rolls in, they should have a top – like Notre Dame's defense should be sort of top 20, top 25-ish based on how they've started and who they have yeah. coming up. That doesn't mean – they need to hold Sam Darnold to 16 of 29 for 141 yards and two turnovers. Well, that that's way too far in advance, and that has a lot to do with the development of the secondary, and that's still kind of in question. Yeah, no question. All right, next up, Irish Bob. This feels like we've seen this movie before. Is this staff slash team better prepared to avoid the mistakes of the past? Yeah, because if you didn't have the past, you shouldn't, as a Notre Dame fan, be that upset about a one-point loss to Georgia, other than that your offensive line was touted as national level and they got worked over but you lost by one point to the number 15 team in the country if the if brian kelly wasn't floundering last year i don't think people would be that's crazy about it mm. i understand why they are i mean i hope that's what i wrote about i understand why you feel this way because 17 and 17 and it looks bad and the one game though i think that notre dame team you'd be really proud of the defense go from there they, it wasn't a terrible loss it's a terrible loss in the aggregate of the last four years which isn't always fair. These guys didn't play four years ago. They weren't blowing other games, right? If you, if you have a decent, improving defense, you've always got a chance. You, you always have a chance, which, I mean, think about the 20, that 25-game stretch with Van Gorder. You, you, you knew it was going to be bad every yeah. time. Every which time. means you could lose every time. That's what they, that's exactly. why, that is why they exactly. lost so much in that stretch. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, your points are all well taken. If, if Georgia was an isolated incident, 
or or if this if Brian if this was Brian Kelly's second game, you'd be like, oh, I see some good things about you know where yeah. stuff's going, but it's not. It's the seventeen and seventeen. It's the Clemson game. It's the Stanford game. It's the Florida State game. It's the Ohio State game. It, it's when there's a big spot, you don't feel like Notre Dame shows. Put it this way, because everybody just got mad at if this was Brian Kelly's second game. It's going to scream it's his eighth year. Let's say this was the second game of last year, and Notre Dame was coming off ten and three. You wouldn't think the world's ending because they lost by one point to number 15. But boy, no, it's a lot different. Yeah. All a matter of perspective. Dog Guy asks, maybe you guys overrated Notre Dame's offensive line heading into this season? Sort of like last year. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I thought they would be able to hit. They got, it wasn't even close. They were absolutely destroyed. So I never thought that would happen. Well, I didn't think they were going to kill Georgia's front seven, but they got. Have we all overrated hip? This was a Twitter question. If you were going to ask about Harry Eastand, no, okay, but we can get into that. Yeah, we have. We all that. overrated Mike McGlinchey. Well, he's had some bad plays in big games, so that would be one way of looking at it. I, I mean, if, I don't think we're overrating if, Nelson. If you mean all of us have overrated, that would include the NFL underclassmen drafted. I, no, I know. I realized that when I asked that. Uh, but that's not the same all the time. Maybe my W Yeah, because that, the because NFL. that, the, you know, NFL, they're looking at, you know, the old expression on the hoof. They're looking at this massive guy yeah. who's now in tremendous physical condition, but I just don't. As are we. What, in tremendous physical condition? condition? <laughs> no. We're looking at this guy who's in tremendous physical condition. Like, they, uh, In theory, they see the same things that we see, right? Yeah, and I don't, I, don't, I, don't th- I don't think NFL scouts are always... They're looking at what can we... What's the finished product oh, sure. after we're right. done with him? And I think Notre Dame fans can rightly say, I'd like to see a finished product here. <laughs> well, like I, I had in Zach Martin and, under- and Ronnie Stanley. And understandably so. And I hate to even say that because McGlinchey is... He is I mean, a great captain. I saw something he on the board is a great about captain. that. He is the guy you want as your captain. Whoever huh. on the board that's wrong, I, I'm not. You just probably don't know it. Mike McGlinchey will take a bullet for anyone on his team. He is a great representative of the team. Right. They listen to him. There's nothing wrong with Mike. Mike McGlinchey, the leader. He had a. I mean, it was such an obvious beat, and he absolutely, 100% stepped up. He owned it. He completely owned it. I mean, you know how many times they protect. He have to protect someone that quote-unquote, blows a game. It's not one play doesn't do it, but they don't bring no. many guys out when they blow a game. Mike McGlinchey was out there, and he was the best one. He and Brandon Wimbush were handled everything great. Yeah. Post, post-game, I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, the, there were a couple questions on Twitter about Easton, and do we sort of misjudge him as he develops really good individual offensive linemen, but the unit maybe is not where we think it should be. I don't even know how to answer that really. It's, I think that we've, we've overrated Notre Dame's offensive lines in the past two years. I don't know if that's fair, but that's like not really Harry Heastan's fault that we've overrated the lines. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Like I, I it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah. But Brian Kelly has said that's the strength of their team. Yeah. Um, you know, know, Harry Heastan, he, I mean, he was coaching offensive linemen that weren't properly physically conditioned, at least not to the level that they're being physically conditioned now. I think, I think I there's a the, lot of factors. I get the question, though, because let's go to 15. Offensive line was really good. Has a pro in Nick Martin that everybody loves. Has a pro in Ronnie Stanley. Had new Mike McGlinchey and had Quentin Nelson learning. That's right there. Mm-hmm. That's a good line. You got me. Steve Elmer's your fifth guy. Steve Elmer's your fifth guy. fifth guy. That is a quality line, and they were generally very, very good. And they had a lot of trouble against Clemson and Ohio State. And that people remember that because you're supposed to be in a pro line full of butt kickers, right? Yeah. I mean, this you're judged on the Georgia game and the Stanford game and the USC game. So we've over we've over, they're not great in those games, so I guess we have overrated it, right? Yeah, I mean you have to. That's that's the bottom line. I do think the whole, you know, when a player says so and so is the best coach in the country. We don't know. What is it? Yeah. yeah, what does that really mean? Cuz you only know one coach. You only know <laughs> one coach. Um, you know, and then and and other other NFL people have jumped to the defense of Harry Heastan that he is the best coach. Even they don't know all the coaches right. in the country. So I think that's a little overblown, but that's that's the nature of a 
20-year-old player when being asked about a guy who they, they do. They love and respect him. He treats them like crap on the field, and they love him because they they know it's in their best interest, and he's a different person off the field. I've yeah. seen... I've seen him off the field. He's a different person then. My two answers to this question are I do not think Harry Heastan's overrated, and I think we've overrated Notre Dame's offensive line because they're not as good as the best defenses they face when they play the elite defenses. Well, then, so they've been, over, they've been overrated every year because they, they under Harry Heastan, they rarely have ever performed well against. Is that Harry Heastan? I'm not saying that's necessarily I, it, Harry it's, Heastan. It's also, no, it's also think, yeah. scheme prior to this yes, year. Yes, and I don't think it. Measures, general general philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't... Jim Harbaugh's teams, you don't hear their offensive line getting... Stanford's teams, you don't hear their offensive line getting criticized like Notre Dame's because they come to play regularly against quality competition. Notre Dame's doesn't. It's fair. I mean, it's a fair point. Would you agree, though? I don't think we overrate Harry Heastand. I don't think Harry Heastand's the reason they don't play well against Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Well... No, not at all. I, I don't no, think that's zero percent. Zero percent responsibility. No, of course not. There's a little bit of responsibility in there somewhere along the way, but it's not like it's all him, is it? It's, it it's, they have to run the scheme. Brian Kelly wants him to run. I know. Of course, it's not. Gary Houston can't say I would much rather go. That, look, you know what? No, Coach, but at the I end, think I've pointed some things out here that you can't run against good teams. So I'd like to dr- scrap this read option junk that goes sideways. And see what happens. So, so, I, and I disagree. I'm just debating. Yeah, here. no, I understand. There's both sides. So of this, the but. the so the scheme in that scheme they can't be blocked. They can be blocked. But do you you think they could be blocked in that Georgia game the way they were doing it? You think that that little Jack yep. Freeman next to me told me about the mesh point and how bad it's looking with Brandon Wimbush? All right, well, <laughs> it was going to work. Don't bring Jack Freeman into this. <laughs> yeah, hey, he's on the mesh point, he's but he's there. there. <laughs> that is that is the film review he does live. When there's a bad mesh point, I know yeah. it. I think somewhere in between 100% and 0% lies reality. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's, it's, it's just it's an impossible question to answer. I think Brian yes. Kelly is, was right on his Sunday call when he basically said, look, the offensive line... Yeah, they could have played better, but there were way more things going on on Saturday night that those five guys those destroyed those guys. the offense. Like, did it start with the offensive line? Yes. yes. Okay. Did it continue to all the other positions? Also, yes. Um, so it's 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 a really hard question to answer. I I know Jack wants us to wrap up here, but <laughs> I watch the game, and when the ball is snapped, where's the game being played? It's being played behind the line of scrimmage. That's how that game was played Saturday night. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of instances on Saturday where I felt like physically they got overmatched and got bull rushed back into the backfield. And that has nothing to do with horizontal running plays or receivers dropping yeah. passes or a second time starting quarterback. And um, and having said all that, it was a twenty to nineteen game. Yeah, exactly. So that's it for this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back. Thursday to preview Boston College, um, wrap up the news of the week then. So until then, Pete Sanson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, thanks for listening.